0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of Nat Alliance Now. I'm your host, Mitch Dunford. We're delighted to have a couple special guests in from Florida. Uh, Kyle Ulrich, who is the president and CEO of the FAIA. Welcome, Kyle.
1: No, Thanks for having us.
0: And Dave Newell. Dave is the vice president of membership and industry relations. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you guys here in Austin. And I wanted to take this chance to talk to you about the association and how things are going. And a little bit about what your members are experiencing. These last few years have been, what? what's the word I'm looking
1: for? <laughs> I don't know. I was waiting to hear what yeah. you were going to say. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, It's been a whole
0: bunch of things. Some of them I can't say, but it, it's been quite a journey and we, I think we're delighted. We've come through it and, and we're all well positioned and, and, and we're just so grateful for the industry, uh, our customers, our members and just the professionalism of the industry. Once again, the insurance industry has really stood up during some difficult time and kept our promises. And I, I know you guys would agree. We take a lot of personal pride in that. So anyway, let's dig in. Kyle, why don't you start off and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, and then Dave, will have you do the same.
1: Sure. So um, again, name is Kyle Ulrich. I'm president and CEO of the Florida Association of Insurance Agents. I have been in this position since September 1st of 2020. So, but I've been at the association for 18 years right. uh, or celebrating 18 years this August. Had a rather long sort of runway and perpetuation plan with my predecessor, Jeff Grady. It lasted for seven years. Uh, so it's been um, a very interesting time to take over as president and CEO. Yeah. You know, I don't think Jeff nor I could have ever imagined that he, his final six months after serving the association for 22 years, would end the way that it did um, in the middle of a pandemic. And I could have never imagined that I would have started in this position, uh, in that situation. But, um, you know, you have to deal with the situation at hand. And, uh, you know, in Florida, we always seem to have our own unique set of circumstances that we're dealing with. Uh, it just so happens that not only are we dealing with a pandemic when I took over, but we're in the midst of the worst property market in, you know, the state's history probably, you know, talking to many of our members who have been in the business for a very long time. Even post Hurricane Andrew doesn't compare to what our members are dealing with right now with Florida's property market. So it's been a challenge, but I enjoy challenges. It's been it's been fun. And um you know there's some days that maybe a little less fun than <laughs> yeah, others. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can relate to that.
1: But uh but it, I you know I just had this conversation I, I spoke at our young agent sales and leadership conference um down Florida a couple weeks ago and I think the differentiating factor for any business, whether you're an association, whether you're an education provider or you sell widgets is your people. And we are very fortunate to have very good people that work for us that are part of our team. And then the other piece is partners. So it's people and partners and you know, the partnership that we have with the national Alliance, is one that um, despite all of the change that's going on you know we can count on you know our partners to continue to deliver on the promise that um, we make to our members and and to deliver on that value proposition that we talk so much about in florida so that's a little story about uh, me my perspective how long i've been at the association and just happy to be here with you guys today
0: thank you and what you said about our partnership It means a lot. We really appreciate that. We feel the same way. Dave, tell us about your background and your career.
2: So, uh, I've been with the association going on 15 years. Uh, Started many years ago in the business as a a claims representative for a national insurance company, then became a a commercial agent. And now I've been with the association. And so, some of my responsibility kind of overlaps because I've had the advantage of being an agent and also working for a carrier. So uh, part of my responsibilities are certainly education, uh, membership, and as Kyle just alluded to, we do an awful lot right now with industry relations (laughs) because uh, we are a challenge right now in Florida, and our members are really seeing the impact of that just about every day. Let me ask you both this.
0: Tell us a little bit about the history of the association. Didn't it start in the early 1900s? 1904.
1: 1904. Yeah, we've been around a little while.
0: Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> We're going to talk about your annual annual conference here in a few minutes, but th- that conference has been around since like the beginning, right?
1: Yeah, in in various forms. But yes, there to my knowledge there has been an annual meeting that happens of the association since its inception. And you know that's another sort of parallel between know, what the association is known for and what we do in our partnership with the National Alliance, I mean, what, what the association was built on back in 1904 was education and advocacy. Right. And so, you know, over the period of time that the association has been around, those have always been some of the fundamental tenets of what it is that we do for our members. And, you know, we're always looking for, you know, partners that can deliver on, you know, the expectation that our members have, and you know, National Alliance is a big part of that educational offering that we, you know, provide to our members in Florida.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that and this unique relationship we have with with you guys and the? What does that mean to your members? I mean, what's the impact that education has on their experience and their businesses?
2: Well, from our perspective, because we we're built on one of those tenants, it's it's really set you apart from your competitor. Having that advantage, having the education, the professionalism that comes with a designation and meeting. And now I understand it's all virtual now, but being around your peers to share uh, stories, to express some, you know, some goods, some wins and, and certainly some losses. And I think the National Alliance programs, the designation programs specifically, lend itself to our members that really strive to set themselves apart from their competitors using knowledge of the insurance industry as that as that benchmark what are some of the ways it sets them apart
1: well so i mean we look at it from the standpoint of prof- it's professional development right yeah. you know so so unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it you know we like many states have you know compulsory continuing education right. requirements right. for your license right you know we actually talked about this last night i mean there was a time well before i was at the association where you know, we would hold classes and you know huge classrooms where it was no big deal to have three, four, five hundred people in in the room for the sole purpose of what Dave just described—to be able to have that sort of opportunity to be there with you know fellow agents, learn from one another, learn from an instructor, and ultimately set yourself apart in the marketplace and be a better agent, right? With CE requirements now, it's become this compulsory you know, exercise that, oh, well, how quick and how easy and how inexpensive can I get it? You know, fortunately, we, like many states, probably still have a fair number of members who put tremendous value on professional training and making sure that not only the agency owner, but everyone in their agency is learning is at every opportunity trying to find some way to set themselves apart from their competitor have a little better knowledge of you know this policy form or a little better sales strategy and so you know that's where you know both the content that we create in house and then what we utilize the national alliance for is right in line with what it is that we want to deliver to our members and that is professional training and now it happens to come with you know CE Component, but you know that's the differentiating factor for us. We're we're not like other CE providers, and so if you want it cheap and fast, you know you can probably get it somewhere else. You're probably not going to learn anything.
0: But if you really want true education and you want to be able to protect your clients better because you understand the nuances in the policy language, that's right. That's the that's the key.
2: And I and Mitch to that point. I mean, in Florida, because we are unique. You know, we don't have a standard ISO policy, okay? (laughs) So you're learning some of this in the classroom or virtually through the National Alliance programs because they can can walk you through those steps to better understand those insurance concepts because they're not black and white like in other states.
0: Right. What are you guys hearing from your members as far as what's going on post-COVID? How has the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic, hopefully impacted their business and maybe just their cultures and how they operate as agencies. Are you hearing any common themes around that from your members?
1: So, you know, I would probably talk about it in a more global sense, um, and then bring it back to the agency. I I think it's times like these where business owners and operators that are willing to accept the challenges and willing to accept change, are the ones that are going to flourish and succeed so if you look across really any industry but let's just use agents for example um you know we have agents in florida who despite the troubled marketplace and despite the pandemic have had record years mm-hmm. that have been more successful they've done more revenue in their agency than they've ever done in the past with an extraordinarily stressed staff <laughs> yeah. Because of all of the things that came along with the pandemic and the uncertainty of where am I working or what's the plan here, what this protocol change kids school all of it right all of it right and so and it, and it's one of the one of the many reasons why I'm so fortunate and proud to work for a group like we do and represent agents is because they do adapt you know they're they're so good at trying to find the, the best of any situation. Like they're, they happen to, in many cases, be the folks that rather than looking at it necessarily as a challenge or, you know, a threat, instead, it's an opportunity, you know, go to the old SWOT analysis and, you know, we can argue about, you know, which of those are the most important things to look at. But our members just naturally, I think based on the people that they are, look at every situation as an opportunity. And so that's been so cool to to watch and see. Now, in a, our, our industry is naturally a pretty social one. <laughs> and right. so I think that was probably the biggest challenge for many of our members, losing some of that in-person interaction, either w- whether it have been an association event or whether it was their clients themselves. That's right.
0: Seeing them face-to-face Correct. instead of over Zoom. Yeah,
1: and, and it's, and, <laughs> and, 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 that's right. And, um, you know, much of that is predicated by whatever business their client is in. You know, some businesses were a little more willing and apt and open to talk to folks, and others were not. Some were prohibited based on a government regulation or something like that. But, but most have been able to adapt change, and find new ways to, to do business and in turn be very successful. Are
0: agencies going back to the office or are
2: they staying remote? So in Florida, we have a little nuance. It's a, it's a, a licensee, which requires a certain level of staff to work inside the four walls of an office. So during the pandemic, during certainly orders by the governor, that was you know, lifted for a period of time. So, a lot of offices are coming back because of, of the state law and, and what they're required to do under I that see. license type. But, Mitch, it's all over the board still to this day. And we have a lot of people. Uh, many of our members have sold their buildings. Uh, <laughs> they've rented, you know, kind of these shared office type locations. Some are, you know, one of our bigger members in Florida. I think they're coming back six days a month, not what six days, but just six days a month in the office, just to have certain time with, you, with your team members. And then some still working remote. Some never
1: left the office. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, so, so you do, I mean, you have this wide disparity right. between how agencies address the situation. I mean, some never left and some still aren't back to this day. And, and some will never come back. Yeah,
0: yeah. What are some of the other challenges you hear from your members that they're currently
2: facing? Oh, it's people. Uh, it's, it's it's finding the right n- people. Number one. No, okay. Number one is people. Yeah,
1: and, and, and a lot of it is a byproduct of the market, um, a byproduct of the pandemic. But I have more conversations with members, agency owners, those that are tasked with keeping people, attracting people, making sure that they're creating a good culture in their agency, that um, it's the biggest challenge they have is Burnout. You know, it's, it's, you know, having to have dealt with all of the stress that came along with the pandemic over the last couple of years, coupled with the market that we're dealing with, that many of the agencies are losing people to retirement that would otherwise probably work for another four, five, 10 years. Do you
0: think the pandemic has accelerated retirements?
1: It's certainly a factor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, in and of itself. Um, absent the property market in Florida, probably a pretty small percentage. I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some. I don't think our industry is necessarily immune from that. But when you put the two together, there's—I I don't want to like overblow it, but but there is a lot of there are a lot of people who are leaving the industry, and so to couple that with the you know market right now, the way that it's, as difficult as it is for any industry to hire people with. Unemployment rates being what they are, and there being a, a certain subset of folks who just are, have left the job market altogether. When you lose somebody that has been at the agency for 20 plus years, that has that institutional knowledge, Huge. Uh, yeah, that they, they know your customer base, right. you know, all that sort of stuff, it's hard enough to replace them when you actually have a, a decent pool of applicants to choose from. But at the moment, there is no pool and and so that is the number one conversation that i have with members at this moment is them trying to figure out how to keep people
0: how to find them how to keep them correct have you heard of any creative ideas that agencies are using to kind of overcome the stress and maybe the low morale or the frustration that some of their employees are experiencing
2: you know we we've heard about you know, the virtual type things where everybody, uh, is on the zoom call at one time and like a happy hour, happy hour, some kind of activity. We did it in our shop where everybody was, uh, provided certain, uh, recipes and we all did a cooking class together just to try to virtually. Oh, that's clever. Um, and so I think right now everybody's trying these little things to, to try to get people re-engaged because once you're in your silo, right? You're, I'm working in my home office and I'm in my silo and well, things are going okay. I'm working, probably working more than you were if you were in the office because there's no drive time. There's, right. you know, no breaks. There's right. this, there's that. There's nobody coming by your office chit-chatting. Right. So uh, I, I think that's, uh, again, as we come out of this, whatever, uh, whenever this ends, uh, we'll still see some of those things continue because, You've got to, you got to have that team together to make it a good product for your customer. Right.
0: Kyle, you spoke earlier about mergers and acquisitions, and you have
1: some opinions on that. you mind sharing it? Sure. You know, uh, amongst all of our state brethren and, and my colleagues who are execs in other states, we were lamenting, you know, the impact that M&A activity was having on FAI uh, probably six, seven years ago. And just the reduction just, in the number of just the just sheer number of of our members who are being acquired, acquired. by lar- larger entities and the impact that that was having on the association, both from an engagement standpoint, because inevitably the agencies that were being acquired were what we always characterize as like our choir members, okay. you know, the ones that have been around like they they've been with us on education since they got their license. You know, they've served on councils, task forces on our board of directors. You know, they were, an e o insured of ours, all of those things, every engagement point that an association could possibly have with their members, they were at the top of the list. Well, of course, those are the ones that the acquiring entities want to go after, you know, They're the
2: most attractive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're yeah, the most attractive. Yeah.
1: And, and so, but, but many of my colleagues, you know, had not started experiencing that, you know, until a couple of years later. Now, now it's everywhere. Like right. every state association is dealing with it. And it, and it certainly has a monetary impact. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, for us, you know, that, that agency in most cases moves from like a main office location to now a branch of a larger entity that we're fortunate we have most of those large entities that are, remain members. But at the same time, you know, you, you lose some of their participation in classes, you, know, you likely lose their e and But we felt like, you know, and sort of going back to what I was talking about earlier, like looking at the threat versus opportunity. We, for a long time, felt like there would come a point in time where there were folks that worked in those agencies that were acquired that may not have had ownership, that may not have gotten the big payday that the owners got, and never planned to work for you know, one of those large acquiring entities. And it, we felt like at some point we would start to see some of those folks when non-competes you know, are up, start to roll out and, and want to take control of their own destiny. And that is absolutely happening in Florida right now. We're, we're seeing um, a pretty good number of very seasoned professionals that worked in producers, producers okay. that worked in agencies that
0: didn't have an equity stake, that or-
1: didn't have an equity stake. Or if they did, it was very small. Um, and now they're done with their non compete and they're saying, you know what? I've got relationships both within the industry, within companies that can help me get agency appointments. And I have, you know, clients that I've worked with for years and years and years. I can do this. And they're starting agencies from scratch. And now they have a huge head start versus someone that's new in the business, starting a scratch agency that is a really big challenge. Not that it's not a challenge for anyone, but um, they do. They have a leg up. Because of their experience. And and so we're starting to see a fair number of those scratch agencies being started. And it was, in our opinion, it was inevitable that 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 was going to happen. And so, you know, the trick for us is, you know, they may not have been the the person in an agency that was super plugged in with the association. (laughs) You know, they were aware of the involvement that their agency principal had, but had never really, you know, done a lot with us. And so, you know, what is it that the association can do? What are the products, programs, and services that we can provide to, you know, those scratch agencies that really make the decision for them to join very easy, that that we're the one stop shop, we're the best business partner that they could have. Like, you don't need to go find these programs, products, and services from multiple places. You can come Come to our association. And we can provide you everything that you need. And so as long as we remain hyper-focused on the value proposition and making sure that we have something there for all of our members, and, and our members range from you know, the one man or woman shop that just you know, hung out a shingle to you know, the largest publicly traded brokers in the country. <laughs> and what they need from the association is very different. You know, right. it's very different. And so as long as we're paying attention to, and our board does a fantastic job of, you know, working with the, the team that we have at the association and thinking very strategically about the future and where we need to position ourselves to make sure that we are that business partner for every agency, no matter your size.
0: Awesome, Dave, the FAIA produces what I would say is one of the leading annual events conferences uh, every year. I've blown away with the numbers that you're getting and the exhibitors. Can you talk about that for a minute? How's that gone the last couple of years? I think you didn't hold it one year or you did it virtually. And then in 2021, you relaunched it.
2: Give us an overview of how that's going. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we had to make some tough choices, right? right? Because we didn't want to put anybody into harm's way, but we also wanted to be available to our members, but yeah, so we paused it for a year, and then did the education piece or the symposium piece virtually, okay, to still be able to provide that professional training.
0: Was that in two thousand twenty?
2: That was in twenty. Okay, so then we regrouped. Uh, we learned a lot from that, and we said, you know what, it's time to get back. It's time for FAI to get back in front of the members again. And so, certainly, a lot of thought and precautions and things that. We wanted to take into consideration, uh, we launched it. And I will tell you, Mitch, last year it was a smaller group, but that group was extremely engaged. They were very appreciative, and I think that's why the numbers this year are even going to be better because people saw that we could do it safely. They saw that they can gather. They saw the value, and now those numbers are going to continue to increase. Amazing, Kyle,
0: can you share some of the numbers from twenty one and what you anticipate in two thousand and twenty two and also share with our listeners a little bit about the upcoming conference and what they can expect?
1: Sure. So as you said, I, I don't I don't have any data to sure. say you know for sure, but I'm pretty sure we're the largest trade association convention for independent agents in the country. You know, in 19, we had over 3000 attendees and that includes over 300 exhibitors in the uh, exhibit hall, along with all of the folks that those companies bring with them, along with agent registrants. And, um, you know, that is a combination of education. It's uh, also some, you know, really high quality entertainment, (laughs) Uh, guest speakers at our general session. And you know the ability over those three days for agents to be able to sit down with one another, uh, share experiences, and sit down with their company partners. So it's something that people look forward to across the country to coming to, to our show in Orlando. We had to obviously pause that in, in 20. Uh, but then in 2021, as Dave said, the exhibit hall was a little smaller. You know, uh, In 19, we had over 300 exhibitors there in the hall. We had about 190 last year, which is a big difference. I mean, it's two thirds of, of what we had been accustomed to, but we were also dealing with the dynamic that many of our exhibitors are coming from out of state. And, and it's no surprise to anybody who's listening to this that different states handled things differently. Yes. And, and yeah. Florida was one of the states that, um, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, people refer to it as the free state of Florida. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, there weren't a lot of restrictions in place we won't debate whether that was right or wrong but for an industry that as i mentioned earlier is a very social one you know our board our volunteer leaders felt like it was important that we we could you know we needed to do this again regardless of what the financial outcome was to the association you know we we've been very financially successful for a long time regardless of what happens and, and we did we lost money on the show but the ability to get everybody back together. And also create momentum going into this year. And you just, it just happens where you had these companies that because of a travel ban or whatever couldn't come, they couldn't exhibit. And I have no doubt that they heard from their competitors and from their agents that they work with say, hey, man, it's a shame that you missed last year because there were still a lot of people there. So, you know, currently we have uh, over 280 exhibitors signed up with us. I think there's a real decent chance that we get right at around 300 exhibitors, which means that we'll probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 to 3,000 attendees at the show. And um, our, I mean, where the hotel has been sold out. The registration numbers are you know, outstanding. They're on par, very close to what they were in 19. Of course, that means they're well ahead of what they were in 2021. And so, yeah, come middle of June, which isn't far from now. Uh, what are
0: the dates again?
1: Uh, it's fifteenth through the eighteenth. Yes. Yeah, 18th June fifteenth. Yeah, it's coming up. June fifteenth through the eighteenth, there in Orlando at the uh, World Center Marriott. And uh, so yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, we're we're kind of in the final stretch at this point. I mean, we we do all of the program management of that in house. We don't use a third party vendor or anything like that. Um, we've got all hands on <laughs> <deck>. <laughs> all hands on uh, deck. We've got a, we've got a great team that that pulls together during you know, this time leading up to it. And then of course, while we're there to make sure that we put on the best show possible. And um, I think that there's a tremendous amount of value. You know, when you, when we're able to deliver the content that we do for, you know, a full registration of less than $500.
0: What is some of the content?
1: So Dave, of course, you know, manages all of the educational piece. So you, so you could go to our trade show and get all of the education that you need for a single year of continuing education. So if you need 20 hours, you can get at least 10 hours of education while you're there. And then of course, it's the networking opportunities and entertainment that goes along, right?
2: That's you, know, so cool. you know, Mitch, to your point, as far as what we're offering, you know, cyber is a big part of our cu- culture right now. And so we we've brought in two or three different classes and talking cyber? About, on cyber, you know, from a legal standpoint, from a coverage standpoint, and a processing standpoint. So agents can take one or all three of those classes and really go through the evolution of what's happening in the, in the cyber attacks, uh, which a lot of small businesses are facing right now. Right. So,
0: Yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been really nice having you here in Austin. On behalf of all of us here in Austin, we really appreciate your organization and what you do for us and the industry. If someone wanted to learn more about your annual conference they website, the F-A-I-
1: FAI.com. Awesome. Yep. Well,
0: thanks again. It's been a delightful uh, to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Mitch. Really thanks, appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: And that concludes this episode of Nat Alliance Now. For more information about the National Alliance or any of our programs, visit our website at www.scic.com.